those wretched notes of Giuseppe Verdi mean it's time for another edition of Syria Sit Down. Or for some of you Milanisti, we're going to call this Milan Therapy. Uh, we are a uh, uh, the Calcio podcast delivered by World Football Index. I can't even say it's at the highest level. I'm just at, Richard Carmen is our co-host. Ciao, Richard. <laughs> Ciao, Frank. Jesus. Yeah. But you know what? Here's the thing. I. In the back of my head, and I sat there and I said last week on our podcast, no, no, absolutely no way. Absolutely no way Benevento gets their first point against Milan. But in the back of my mind, I, I say that because how do you mess with the streak? And then at the same time, I'm also like, Milan are just stupid enough to let it happen. And they did. <laughs> oh, good Lord. It's... Uh, it, and usually I love listening to Giuseppe Verdi. It's good. You know, it, it, it makes you feel good. That, that, that music comes in and we're going to talk calcio and it's going to be, you know, and it's going to be great. But, but, uh, aye. but now that I've gotten that out of my system, we, when we do cover Benevento and Milan, I will try to provide some therapy for the Milanisti out there, for Milan Twitter out there, uh, to try to say, cheer up. Here's why we really shouldn't get that discouraged by it. So going to do my best okay i'm going to do my best uh you know to have a glasses half full approach uh to what happened in that game today um do you think i can pull it off i do not but i am i will wait and see <laughs> <laughs> boy are you are you are you are you a beacon of confidence uh am, yeah. so my goodness, but uh, uh, yeah, man, we had eight games uh, with with two games to go on Monday and twenty four goals in eight games. Richard, Serie A still a scoring league, isn't it? Indeed, it is. Uh, other leagues eat your heart out. Mm. So an average of three goals a game, and um, and uh, if you would have told me that that was going to happen without Napoli scoring, I would have said you're crazy. That is, that Napoli would have counted for five or six of those goals, but. Uh, uh, we've got that to talk about too. The big one with Napoli and Juventus, um, which will headline things. Uh, so what we will do here is we are going to get into the, uh, weekend that was in Serie A. We'll give you a quick, uh, glance at those, uh, two Monday games, uh, that are going to take place on the peninsula. And then we will top it off with a preview of match day six in the UEFA champions league, a little bit of a touch. Uh, on the Europa League, despite the fact that those three teams have already qualified. So, uh, you know, uh, thank you for uh, clicking on and getting stuck in with us. Some of this is going to be us trying to uh, to work through the process of, of, of grieving uh, as Milan fans of uh, uh, being the victim of Benevento, uh, being the team that Benevento got their first Serie A point from. Um, but uh, we will talk about that in great detail uh, but let's start with what was the match of the weekend, Richard. Uh, Napoli v. Juventus. Yes. I mean, you know, Syria has has made some ha, has made some ground. When I've got friends uh, texting me or emailing me saying uh, Napoli v. Juventus today, what do you think? You know, and a lot of interest in this beyond um, the Napoli supporters, the Juventus supporters, and the diehard Serie A fans. There was a lot of interest in this game. Uh, could Maurizio Sarri and the Partenope get that signature win, finally prove that, yes, this is a legitimate title challenge? Does Juventus still have it in the tank and can still find a way you know, to win these kind of games? 90 minutes of drama unfolding at the San Paolo uh, right before our eyes. And uh, it started with, uh, and, and tactically, 
the way the teams lined up, especially with the way Juventus lined up, you had you, you knew it was coming, Richard. Let's just get into that. Allegri employed three midfielders. You almost never see him do that. You knew no, what yeah. the tactics were going to be when you saw that, right? Yeah, and he wanted to control the game and not and limit Napoli's chances. Uh, he wanted to be. He wanted to bring out the Napoli defensive team that that we all know for the last six years to shut shut down the offense, uh, and they they sure did that. Yep, they did. Uh, Napoli took the initiative, took charge, uh, moved the ball crisply, moved it pretty well, moved it really well, especially through the first two thirds of the pitch. When they got in that final third, was maybe when they were starting to have some of the issues. Lorenzo Insigne was pretty much firing at will. And that's how this game was opening up in those first 12 minutes. But then uh, a loss of possession on the part of Napoli. Juventus coming back the other way and up steps up a very familiar face for Napoli. Douglas Costa, pure Higuain. Controllo, Higuain! Colpisce ancora lui al San Paolo. E stavolta esulta. Ed esulta in come? Gonzalo Higuain. Sempre contro il Napoli. 0-1. Paolo Dybala's pass finding Gonzalo Higuain on the right side and puts it past Pepe Reina to give Juventus the 1-0 lead. Richard, uh, Napoli's old friend, coming back to haunt them. Yeah, the ghost of Napoli past. Uh, Higuain, he always seems to score in, the, in this fixture. Uh, he, did a lot, he did last year and he's doing it again. Um, I know some people wanted to give Koulibaly blame. I think it was more you know, Rui not coming back and, and getting there in time. But uh, what did you make of that goal? I thought Rui was very casual um, in transition there. Positionally, uh, Koulibaly could have been better for sure. Yeah, Koulibaly could have definitely been better. Everybody, you could see everybody shifted over towards Dybala. Yeah. And, rightful, and, and rightfully so. But they did it at the cost of leaving... Iguain open and, and letting him have the space and Dybala played the ball where you know Iguain has an opportunity to just you know prepare it away from any kind of uh, tracking run that Koulibaly could make yep um and you know a, as he prepared the ball on that first touch he had he had Reina 1v1 and just put it past him um you know so you've got to give you know we can rip on Koulibaly. In fact, I did. I, <laughs> I let I let James I let our good friend James McGee uh, know about that. I said, "How do you have this center back who can who can mark every top striker out of the game except for Iguain? You would think that he would have the easiest time with Iguain, um, but uh, you know, certainly not the case. Uh, you know, in this case, you know, and like I said, I thought Mario Rui, uh, you know, casual with the ball that led to the counter, and then casual in recovery." Uh, you know, and those couple of things did Napoli in on this goal. Uh, but, um, you know, for for all the all the things we say about Iguain and his weight and and things of that nature, um, you know, the the two away at Milan and this one here at the San Paolo, he still scores goals at the right time, doesn't he? He's still a world-class striker. I mean, you say what you want about his mobility, but uh, when he gets an opportunity up front of the net, uh, he tends to finish those goals. Uh, it doesn't take many opportunities for him. He still has a lethal shot. Uh, he can seem, seemingly score with both feet. And uh, as you saw with that goal against Napoli, um, he is a big game player in Serie A. And I'll just leave yes. it at that. Yeah, he's the, that's why we call him the standard. So uh, he just he pops up in these moments. He just it, he, He's at the stage of his career right now where 
it's convenient to write him off. And just when you write him off, here he comes, here he comes with a big moment, you know, yeah. uh, you know, and to do it against his former team and to justify, you know, part and parcel of why Juventus spent so much money to, uh, to pry him away from Napoli. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, and came through with, uh, came through with a goal. It was a very cool finish too. Yeah. And, uh, the stats were deceiving. I mean, cause Napoli, they had like 67% of possession, 21 shots, 10 corner kicks, 31 crosses. So you think, oh, Napoli dominated the game, but it really had a couple opportunities to score. The, the two, two biggest threats I thought was the Calihon miss wide, uh, to the left of Buffon. And then, uh, in the second half, Insigne missing wide right. Those were seem to be the ones that, the only really ones that scared Buffon in this game. Um, other than that, I think, not, uh, Juventus had the better opportunity. Yeah, um, I mean, Napoli monopolized the possession, but I think once that goal was scored, that played exactly into what Massimiliano Allegri wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. And said, all right, we got the goal. Let's organize. Let's not make it easy on them. Let's not give them anything cheap. They're going to work for every opportunity that they have, and, and we'll, we'll just continue to take our chances on the counter because right now the three points are ours, and he played it perfectly. Um, you know, and, and as far as the rest of the game, that's what it was. Uh, a lot of possession from Napoli. You know, a lot of, let's say, their half chances or, um, you know, low percentage chances, really. Uh, there wasn't really anything that was out, out and out dangerous for Buffon. I don't think that he had a whole lot of trouble despite the seven saves. Um, but uh, I'll give you this hot take, Richard. My man of the match, Giorgio Chiellini. What do you think? Giorgio Chiellini. That's, that's, a, that's a good one. Um, he, made, he made Dries Mertens disappear. He did. I mean, Mertens was nowhere to be found. Insigne was, Insigne popped up, uh, Callejon popped up, but really Mertens, you really didn't hear much of him throughout the game. So that's, that's a really good shout. Um, I'm just going to go and, you know, to, to stick it to Napoli fans. Sorry guys. Sorry, James. Sorry, Sempre. Uh, I'm going to say Iguain is a uh, man of the match just for that goal. <laughs> okay. And uh, you, I won't, I won't fight you on that, you know, scored the goal that made the difference. So, uh, but just, uh, his defending, his positioning back there, timely tackling and, you know, not a lot of room for uh, Dries Mertens to be able to, uh, to 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 get unlocked and to get anything dangerous. And like you said, the best chances were were not even on target. Those that came from Callejon and uh, Insigne. So, and he, um, and he didn't look as old as uh, he had been looking in recent weeks or recent months. Uh, he looked very good and very lively in the game. Killini did. Sure, sure. Um, commentary on these teams, and let's start with the winners. Juventus. The old lady still got it, doesn't she? Yeah, she does, and she sits solely now two points behind the leaders in first place, one point behind Napoli. They are very much trying to retain their title this year, and like we thought, they're going to be there through the end. Um, do not count out Juventus yet. They may have lost some star power, but they they can still they still know how to get the job done, and they're uh, they're they're proving it this year. We've discussed this multiple times about them. Um, this was going to be more of the 2015-2016 Juventus where it was going to be a little bit of a struggle out of the gates yep. in all competitions. But once they got some repetition together and once they got things sorted, uh, look out because uh, they're going to be uh, to, to be every bit, you know, as a, a contender as anybody else you're going to throw up there. So and uh, We talk about how, how potent Napoli has been this season scoring-wise. Juventus actually have scored six more goals than Napoli this season. So... You know, we talk about Napoli being this offensive threat and Juve just being a defensive team, but they can score as well. So they have they had the whole game. They're just not getting the results that they wanted to begin the season. And there's when they start getting hot, look out, Syria. Yeah, we need to go real quick here to the. Uh, we're actually going to do the Juventus goal tracker. 
Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, on 41 goals through 15 games, that puts them on pace for 104. Um, you know, they have quietly uh, gone about their business and done that. Uh, when you take a look yeah. at Napoli, um, their pace is now down to 89. Oh, ouch. <laughs> oh, man. That's not, uh, that's not what the uh, Partino Pay faithful sign up for when they, uh, when they pay their tickets and they go to the San Paolo. They want goals. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so... You know, certainly a, a confidence builder. I mean, how impressed are you with Allegri in this game? When I mean, this isn't the BBC that was back there with Buffon. Chiellini's the only guy left from that group. He did this with Decilio, Benatia, and Asimov. <laughs> these aren't these aren't these aren't the guy. These aren't the world class defenders we're used to knowing Juve to have. Well, maybe they'll be now known as ABCD. <laughs> Is that what it is? It is now. I mean, Asimov, Benatia, Chiellini, Deschelio. Look at you. Look, Look at you. Just jumping spot. in right on a whim. <laughs> yeah. Instead no, of the BBC, um, they're the alphabet, baby. That's what we're calling yeah, them. I mean, well, you do have Chiellini and you have Buffon back there. So with those two back there, they can help marshal the defense and get them to do it. I mean, you got Deschelio playing like a defender should for once. Um so yeah, with those two, the stalwarts back there, they can help you know organize the back defense there. You don't necessarily need the BBC in that situation, um, as long as you have uh, a goalkeeper who knows how to instruct the defense and a defender, uh, a defender like Chiellini who can marshal marshal his back line. Uh, you're normally going to be in a decent situation unless you have someone who's just completely inept, um, which the, the the three helpers with uh, Chiellini were not today. So uh, good for them on their defensive uh, work they did. I'm still awestruck on your ABCD. <laughs> um, I, you know, hey, Patent we need to tell Marco Messina over there at IFTV, um, Gregory Caltabanis, you know, all of our, all of our Juve friends. Hey, Alphabet, that's your defense now. It's not the BBC <laughs> anymore. And it actually somewhat works as long as you keep Decilio on the right. Licksteiner comes in and screws that up. But, you, you know, Asimo's out on the left. Alexandro is in. Benatia is out. Uh, um, Barzali. You know, Rugani uh, might mess that up a little bit too. So, yeah, yeah. But hey, it, it could work. Um, it could certainly work. So, yeah, just uh, excellent, uh, you know, tactical approach to this game. Uh, saw uh, Juve Twitter screaming for um, uh, Kadira off, Marquisio on. That happened. And uh, Allegri did it at the right time. Um, and then, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, Allegri got this 100% correct. And that's why, uh, you know, he has stood the test of time as the manager here at Juventus over these last few seasons. Yeah, he's uh, definitely earning his stripes. Um, his, his tactical genius is not, you know, no one can underestimate what, you know, what he brings in that, that respect. And he's doing it. He's just, he's getting it done. No yep. matter what. Yeah, they keep the ball. They keep the ball at uh, they keep the ball at home, and then away they let you have the ball. So, yep. um, and he has gotten his players to buy into that and to be able to uh, adapt tactically. Uh, although when they go to Olympiacos on match day six, I think they're gonna they're gonna try to monopolize possession. I think that'll be a bit of an exception. As for Napoli, um, to me the litmus test was these two games against Manchester City and then this game against Juventus, and they're all losses. They're not ready to be a big team. Uh, what do you think of that take? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, everything was going right this season. They found out how to way. They found ways to win, uh, dirty, ugly. Uh, but the, the true test would be, well, 
we saw what they did against Manchester City in the Champions League, and then here it's the test in Serie A. How how would you stack up against the champions, uh, the six time reigning champions? And they didn't they didn't do well. They didn't they couldn't score. They couldn't find it offensively. They were just shut down completely by Juventus. They made Sarri look one dimensional, um, and it just it, it, it's just like those teams when uh, back in the day. Oh, I'm not gonna I'm gonna get into the league. Forget about that. Um, they made Sarri and Napoli look one dimensional. Look, they had no plan B. And ultimately, if you're sorry, you need to find a way to get a plan B and plan C. And because and, now the teams are going to see this and say, oh, that's how you shut, Na- shut Napoli down. We'll try that. And people just sit back and, and try to do the same thing to Napoli. So sorry has some, some work to do to, to get some, uh, get some extra, extra goals in, in there some way, somehow. Uh, Lorenzo Insigne, uh, went out with a knock, uh, with about 20 minutes left in this game. Uh, I had not seen anything as far as the extent of the injury. Did you? Uh, no, I did not. So I'm not sure. I'm just going to wait to see what the, what the reports say tomorrow morning, and hopefully we get a little bit more clarity. Yeah, I mean, all we know is that uh, there are some doubts about the physical condition of the striker. There's only one, you know, you know, tweet that I found here. So anybody, you know, Napoli fans, that's it. Yeah, sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, give us an update on his condition, and if he's going to be available uh, for selection at Feyenoord at midweek, that's going to be uh, that's going to be interesting. But it, he did not look comfortable. He certainly couldn't continue in the game, um, and uh, I think that that's another loss. But you know, they're they're the uh, Napoli. Just they're they're this un, un, until they win something. They're just this side that's uh, you know that's fun to watch. You know what I mean? Um, and that's it. There's, there's not a, you know, Pep Guardiola's Barcelona was fun to watch, but they won things too. So, yeah. And that's who I was going to compare it to. Cause when, when Barcelona did get shut down, uh, they were, cause they're perceived to be one dimensional and they didn't have a plan B and, but you know, they, they won things. Like you said, Napoli hadn't yeah. won anything yet. So is this the game where, I mean, and I don't even know if, if, if a healthy Arkady Ishmaelik makes a difference in this game. I mean, I think that the, Central defense of Juventus was just so good, um, you know, in this win that it wasn't, you know, whether it was Mertens, whether it was Milik or whether it was somebody else, uh, they weren't scoring. So, right. um, and that's just, uh, unfortunately the way that you have to, uh, the way that you have to address it. So, um, you know, I, I, I do think that, uh, Napoli, obviously it's not the end of the world. It's, it's, it's a game that they would have hoped to have won because, a win and they are seven points clear of Juventus and they're still top of the table. So, you know, a missed opportunity in that respect, but you know, 15 games in still a long, long way to go. Uh, you know, and anything can happen. Um, does the lack of squad depth and the continued use of relatively the same players, I mean, really the only, um, the only, uh, rotation you really see from Napoli is in the midfield. Uh, does that start to concern you with them a little bit? It does. I know that I know the Sempre guys. Um, they brought this point up that Hasari said that um, you know you only play once a week. You know you should be that's, that should be fine. You should be able to get you know re-energized for that. It, it's not the case. You got to rotate your guys. Guys will get tired. I mean, he's playing the same guys in Champions League as well. Can you see over there at Sempre? He posted another tweet today about again how much the top eleven guys, the, the starting eleven, are playing. They're playing most of the game, especially the top, the front three. Um, they're not getting any rest, so uh, it's gonna wane on the guys. 
Yeah. Um, and if one for you know, heaven forbid one of these guys go down, if Mertens goes down, if Insigne goes down, what then? You know, if you got right. the mid, if it happens in one midfielders, you have enough depth in the midfield at least. But defended in a defense and the attack, there really is no depth. And so they got to hope that all these guys stay healthy because we already saw what happened with Milik. Um, mm-hmm. if, like you said, if he was healthy, who knows what the game would have been, but at least they would have had another option. Uh, right now they don't have another option in, in attack. So, you know, this hopefully everybody stays healthy. And I know when, when like Mertens goes to, to Belgium training camp, I know the, I know the Napoli fans are hoping that he, no injury comes about because if he gets injured, then what, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's something that you gotta, you know, certainly concern yourself with. Well, you know, I don't want to talk about January. I have no interest in talking about January. We went through this last year with the January transfer window. Not a lot is going to happen, so people shouldn't get their hopes up. Um, but they might have to dip, dip in and find a player or two. Um, well, they're at least getting Roberto Inglese. So that, yeah, they're going to recall definitely. him. Yep. So, But they could probably use another player or two or start tapping into some of this depth. Start using Marco Rogue a little bit more. Stop using, uh, or start using uh, Unas if you signed him. Let's, yeah. let's see what he's got. So... Um, I think there's going to be some games coming up where uh, it's going to force Saudi's hand to try to rest some of these guys. So, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But right now, Napoli are not convincing as far as being being that team that can um, all of a sudden uh, you know click on and and and, and win things. Um, if you're going to win things, you're going to need to start beating the Juventuses of this world uh, and the Manchester City cities of this world, for example. So. Um, you know, and that's just where they're falling short right now. So absolutely, absolutely. So, all right. So that was what happened with Napoli and Juventus. Uh, well, well, Richard, let's uh, let's let's not avoid it any longer. Let's get it over with. Yeah. So we went from a, a clash of the top of the table between this, you know, two of the best teams in Syria, and now we're going to transition to Derby that Derby della Terribile. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Um, he had Benevento with no wins in the season, no points, going against uh, AC Milan, who's been sputtering this season, uh, definitely falling short of expectations with all the signings they had. Um, we ha- there was obviously a big change in Milan coming into this game. Gattuso got uh, called up as the manager for Milan from the Primavera squad. Montella obviously let go. Um, so I was curious to see how how what he would do with the team if he could inspire them to victory, what kind of lineup would he put out. The lineup he put out was um, a three-man defense, but the three defenders we've been wanting to see it play together for a while this season, but we haven't, for whatever reason, haven't seen all three together. It was Romagnoli, Bonucci, and Musacchio. Uh, in the midfield, you had Rodriguez, Montalivo, Kessi, Borini. Uh, you also had Suzo and Bonaventura just behind Kalinic. Um, it was an interesting lineup. I mean, I can see why he started Kalinic because he wants to get, see what he has. If he has to get rid of them in January, he wants to see, you know, does he have anything in him? Um I was okay with the lineup, but uh, it is what it is. Um, the game, it seemed like Milan was dominating the game, and they, and they were, rightly so. Um, no, They had many opportunities, but no goals were going in. Uh, finally, in the uh, 38th minute, um, ball was bouncing around. Uh, Kessie made a great play, passed it over to the defense, and then a diving Jack Bonaventura gets the opening goal for the game. That goal gave relief to the Milan fans and uh, 
really, you know, finally we're thinking, okay, here, we got a goal. We got an advantage on, on Benevento. We don't have to worry about giving up a point to, uh, giving them, giving them their first point in the game or of the season. Um, yeah, it's, it's, at that point, I was, I was happy where it was going. It went to halftime, one nothing. Milan was clearly dominating all possession, but, or all possession, all, 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 every statistic really shots, uh, crosses. Um, but still, I wasn't convinced yet. I needed to see a second goal. Uh, did you, did you feel the same way or did you feel pretty comfortable at one nothing? I know there needed to be some breathing room. I mean, it's, it's just like this against anybody. Um, you know, I think I made, when, when Milan played Spall, several weeks ago um, and it was one nil and they were up one nil for quite a long time. Um, I'm <laughs> the first thing I tweeted uh, the, Milan need another goal. You don't want body coming on as a substitute with only a one goal deficit to deal with. So, um, you know, for Spall, uh, you know, so I was with, I, I, I definitely agreed with that. And especially a team that's struggling as much as Benevento is, you know, kill this thing off and get the two goal lead. Cause if you got a second, you know, as dangerous as a two goal lead can be in this game. Uh, I think in this case, it would have been something that uh, would have been beneficial because it would have probably shattered. A, you're taking a, a, a zero point team and you've got a two goal lead against them and you've got them under the mentality of here we go again. We can't get anything right. Yep. Uh, you know, so that's the way I looked at it. Yeah, and they, and they kept them around, and they kept them around. Um, we kept saying we needed a second goal in this game. Uh, finally, in the 50th minute, we did get that second goal. Mette fuori Romagnoli. Raccoglie la respinta Letizia. Super Donna Roma, che non può nulla. Sul tapiso successivo di Puskas. Ha pareggiato il Benevento al 35esimo. But it was George Puskas for Benevento equaling the game. Frank, when that went in, I said, dear Lord, th- this is not going to end well. Um, I, was like, I was like, no way. How is Milan going to give a goal? How are they going to draw uh, Benevento? 1-1. I mean, who do you blame on that goal, if anyone? I blame Donnarumma. Yeah. I mean, anytime, anytime you punch a ball right back into the mouth of where all the activity is, you are begging to concede a goal. Uh you are begging to have that goal. You're begging to have a goal conceded because that's what's going to happen every time. That's what I was taught, you know, as a player. And I've watched when I watch coaches conduct training sessions. Um, I, I, I flash actually to, to a practice where I was an assistant coach to my, you know, to my mentor and, and um, something that happened and, and the goalkeeper just punched the ball and it was, you know, it parried it, but parried it low and down into that, you know, uh, 12 yard penalty spot area, you know, and, uh, and he, my, the coach actually took the ball and said, every time you do that, you're asking for this to happen. And he just kind of half volleyed it and tore a hole in the net. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I immediately thought about that. And I said, and he was rightly punished for doing that. And I said, you've got to try to figure out either, either try to catch that ball, which I thought he could have, or parry it wide. You know, those are your two options. Yeah. Anytime you're parrying the ball back into where all the players are, you're asking to give up a goal. And that's exactly what happened. If they didn't give Donnarumma the assist on that goal, they should have. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, well, the one player that was having a good game for Milan, well, he's not the only player, but uh, Giacomo Benaventura, you know, he did score that first goal. Uh, just seven minutes later, he was playing playmaker this time. This time found a low cross that would found a wide open teammate. Contro Traversone! Colpo di testa di Kalinic che ritrova il gol e al 
57esimo, riporta avanti il Milan. Nikola Kalinic, with all the rumors of him departing, uh, scores the goal to give Milan a lead, and Milan Twitter has a sigh of relief. They get the goal, they're back in the lead, normalcy restored. Um, at this point, I felt pretty confident that Milan was going to be able to hold on. Um, how how relieved were you when you when that goal went in? Both to see Kalinic score, but also for Milan to get the lead again. I was relieved, yeah. Um, I thought that, okay, 2-1 uh, up, you, you, you've restored it. Uh, now go on and do the business and close the game out. So, uh, you know, find a third uh, if you can. Uh, but if not, try to manage this thing and get the three points. You know, right now we're talking about trying to accumulate points. We're not trying to talk about playing like Napoli or Barcelona or anybody like that. Uh, so, you know, so when that goal did get scored, yeah, it was Kalinic. So I was happy for Kalinic and, and, and relieved in some sense. I, but it does not change my opinion of Nikola Kalinic because anybody could have gotten in that position and scored from where he was. So I, I, I credit Jack more on that yeah, goal than yeah. I credit Kalinic. No, it was definitely a good setup on, on that play. Um, but then, you know, nothing could ever go smooth and easy for Milan. Um, Romagnoli, Alessio Romagnoli, he's a little bit of a hothead at times. And uh, he had already had a, already picked up a yellow in the 24th minute. So he was already skating on thin ice. And then out of nowhere, he does really something stupid, something foolish, and gets sent off. All of a sudden, it's 11 men for Benevento, 10 men for Milan. Um, it was going to be hard enough to... to to keep Benevento out of the net, uh, the way thing, the way Milan plays, um, so going down a man escalated that tremendously. Some teams respond well when going down to ten men. Milan is not one of those teams. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not. I, I, I'm not sure if that was. I I, I am wrestling with that particular decision. Because I didn't, I, I saw hard one. I saw hardly any contact uh, with the Benevento attacker when Romagnoli went to ground. Uh, two, if the referee was trying to advertise this as a clear breakaway chance for the, well, and I can't remember the player that was on the attack. Um, there were defenders around Romagnoli when it happened. Okay, so I, I, I didn't think it warranted a sending off. You know, and from the look of the referee, I think it looked like he just flashed a straight red. He didn't do the yellow and, and, and red action. Yeah. You know, so so for me, he was demonstrating that this was behavior, that this was a that that was activity of a straight red. Now, he was on a yellow, so if you want to say that this was a yellow as well, then fine. It's you know, it's 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 six of one, it's half a dozen of another. Either way, right. he's off. Um. I, I thought I thought that it was harsh. I thought it should have been a just you know there were enough defenders around that it's a foul, and the referee just gives the gives gives Romagnoli a dirty look as to say, "Hey, you're in my book already. Yeah. Don't do that again." That should have been the way it was because I don't think that that there was such minimal contact on that foul if there was any because it looked like the player just kind of hopped over him. Did you see the replays on that? Uh yeah, I did. Yeah, so it yeah. was. Uh... Yeah, I don't know, but Romagnoli has a little bit of a history too of making sure. Politics. Maybe the referee had that in the back of his mind, and when it happened, I mean, really, Romagnoli shouldn't—he knew that being on a yellow, he should never put himself in a position that he would be even questioned about getting a yellow card. So I don't know. And I see, I see what exactly what you're saying, but also it's him with precedent. We also got to remember that Romagnoli is 22 years old. Yeah. You know, he's going to make young player decisions like this sometimes. Um, 
you know, and in, in this case, he did it in a bad time at a bad time. You know, I'm not saying that he's totally sweet and innocent in this whole situation, um, you know, but it, it, he's he's got to know better. and He's got to learn to know better. And hopefully he'll learn from the experience. You know, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, hopefully, hopefully he does do better. Uh, you know, he uses this as a way to get better for sure. But uh, right now, yeah, he's you don't want you don't want him to turn into next Sergio Ramos, basically, who who gets no. right in, and, and maybe an offensive an offensive output, maybe, but defensively, uh, Sergio Ramos has red card like five times a season. It seems like, yeah, and uh, you don't want that. Well, uh, as soon as he came off the off the pitch, um, Benevento clearly were were feeling were feeling frisky and wanted to score. Uh, they they kept putting pressure on Milan. Uh, at this point, Benevento looked like a really good team all of a sudden out of nowhere. Uh, it helps when you're a man up. Um, time was ticking away. Milan fans were all thinking, "Come on, let's go. Let's end this game. End this game." Uh, as we approach the 90th minute mark, five minutes were put up. Uh, it was five minutes that Milan fans were five minutes, one minute too long, really. Um, Benevento kept pressing, kept pressing. In the fourth minute of uh, stoppage time, they would get a corner kick. Um, everyone came up, and ev- by everyone, I mean even the goaltender Alberto Brignoli came up. Um, so what was going to happen? Last chance, right? Seconds left. Cross comes in off the corner, and calcio di punizione. C'è anche Brignoli dentro in area di rigore. Battuta tesa, Brignoli, clamoroso Brignoli, ha pareggiato il Benevento col gol del suo portiere. Brignoli come Rampolla e come Taibi, è 2-2 al Vigorito, pazzesco, la rabbia di Gattuso. Alberto Brignoli scores, the goaltender for Benevento scores the game. What? The goalie score. How? First of all, it was a really, really nice goal. If you haven't seen it yet, go look at it. It was. A, it was a, any striker would be jealous of this goal. But a goaltender to score and tie the game at the at the death. Oh, that's embarrassing. It's already embarrassing that you gave them their first point of the season. Uh, but then that happens. That's this insult to injury. Welcome to the Milan of the last five years. You know, we're still even with new ownership and new players. We Milanisti are still wallowing in this just un- swamp of despair, you know, um, that just nothing's going right. <laughs> so um, I, uh, when I saw it, I just, uh, I just kind of looked at it and I said, why? Is I, 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 was trying to, I, I thought that maybe anger would be my first emotion, but just, I think I had just kind of a blank reaction to it, Richard. I, I wasn't, I actually wasn't surprised. I was like, only Milan are capable of something stupid like this, yeah. you know? And to the place where, and we, we had Raphael on who said to explain to Benevento that the witches in that town and, and they're cursed. Well, they passed that curse on to Milan today. so you know it is it's it's uh you know getting my head around it um you know i really you know just trying to still trying to get my head around it so but you know a little commentary on this if i may um please okay goals are scored one of two ways okay uh 
you know, and I would say maybe 15 to 20 percent of the time uh, they're scored as a result of, you know, some level of attacking brilliance, whether it is a team structured goal, whether it's an individual uh, piece of brilliance, you know, something to that effect. All right. The rest of it is the, the rest of it. OK, so 15 to 20 percent attacking brilliance and, you know, intuition, whatever you want to call it. The balance of it, that the rest of that 80 to 85 percent, lack of concentration from the defense. So and that's and that's usually how goals are conceded. <sighs> Milan, lot on the two goals they conceded, lost their concentration on Romagnoli sending off loss of concentration. I mean, three lapses in concentration are why they don't have three points that they're just coming away with one point. Okay, so this is where I'm trying to see if I can get Milan Twitter and Milan Milanisti. And, and the Milan faithful that do listen to this podcast to try to find a silver lining in this. First of all, it's a point. It's not a loss. It's a point. And I know that the top six in front of Milan at this point are going to go to Benevento and they're going to get three points. In fact, I think one or two of the teams already have. Okay. Um, I know it's a, but it's a point. All right. It's, it's not a defeat. Okay. It's the first game of the Reno Gattuso era. Okay. All things considered, you know, they, they had a little more possession. It was not an overly inspiring performance, but they were in position to capture the three points. Okay. It was just three bad lapses in concentration throughout the course of the 90 minutes. And as a, as a team, I expect there's enough professionalism in that dressing room that they're going to overcome this. Okay. This isn't going to be a, all right, we went to Benevento. We gave them their first point of the season. Now we're just going to quit. I don't see that happening. I just don't. I don't see that happening with this team. I don't see that happening, you know, with Milan. I can, we can be angry about what happened here today, but we also have to take a look at the big picture. We gained a point on Sampdoria who are in sixth. Okay. We gained a point on Napoli today. All right. We uh, we didn't gain points on Inter Roma or Lazio. That's fine. They got they they gained two points, and Fiorentina actually caught us. Yep. All right, and you know, fair enough. Pace. And Bologna keeps pace, but it's a point against a Benevento team, and I am going to give Benevento credit. They have been close a few times now. All right, this isn't like the Benevento of the first couple of games of the season where they look woefully out of their depth. They lost a couple times in stoppage time this year. Yes, they had. Dropped their draw against Cagliari and against Sassuolo. And fine, they're not world beaters. And Milan are expected to go to Benevento and win. I get that. I get that sentiment. And I get if you're going to say that. But it's a point. Okay? And there's a project in place. And there's Gattuso in place. And there's a, you know, they're all going to learn from this. Okay? The mistakes are correctable. Okay? You know, as far as as far as how this game ended up. All right? And I watched Benevento against Atalanta. Benevento looks like a better team now. It's not showing up in the results, but they're a lot better than how they started the season. I don't think they're going to get out of this mess by any stretch of the imagination, but they're playing better. And it's not going to surprise me if they nick a point here and there from some of these other big teams as we go on. Okay? It won't. Um, you know, and I'm trying, and I get some people might say, well, you're sugarcoating this because it's Milan. Fine. If you want to say that, go ahead and say that. But 
you know, seeing these Benevento results and seeing what's been happening to them and seeing that they have been close, they've been due for this, okay? I, I'm sick that it's at the expense of my favorite team, all right? But this has been coming for Benevento. Uh, Milan lost enough concentration to drop two points today. They made correctable mistakes, all right? This isn't a, oh, my gosh, where do we start? This is a huge mess. This is a problem, all right? It's a point. We wanted three. We got one. There's still plenty of points to be had. It's 15. It's been 15 games. There's 23 left. All right. It, it just, it just, it's a little bit of a nuisance right now, but let's dust ourselves off and let's move on. There are some very good players here. There's some very encouraging signs. I thought Frank Kessie played well. Uh, it was good to see Jack back to being Jack. All right. Start taking things like this. All right. Gigi Donnarumma isn't going to do that all the time like he did on that first goal. He's going to learn from that, okay? Uh, we're going to defend better, and we're going to be more responsible, right? And sometimes put your hands in the air or clap your hands, applaud Benevento, because they fought for the point, they earned the point, and they took advantage of us being on 10 men. Simple, okay? We can sit here and rue this all we want, but in the end of the day, it was a draw. It wasn't a defeat. It could have been a lot worse. And um, to answer Mike Lisi's question, did you do you want to read that? Yeah. So he wrote his question was: Is this rock bottom after years of repeating silliness? You know, the Barbara Pato situation, Haka dance, make believe stadium unveiling, Mexis chokehold, Menez coaching carousel. Is this the bottom for Milanista, or is it eventual financial ruin and relegation in for next year? Okay. First of all, let, let's let's take the commentary of financial ruin. Richard and I had a discussion that we're not going to go into detail about Milan's finances on this podcast because everything that's going out there is speculation. Um, and further, um, I don't want to sit here and talk about what people are speculating. And a lot of this, a lot of the stuff that's coming out is people that are kicking someone when they're down. That's usually what you seem, you know, trouble on the pitch. Let's compound it by trying to come up with stories about trouble off the pitch. It's it, it 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 in this case it's happening on a much bigger level because of ownership and uncertainty and all this other stuff that's being speculated. Fine, but you know when Inter were having their troubles last year, you remember it, Richard. Everybody was kicking the crap out of Mori Cardi. Yeah, we were too. <laughs> all of it. Yeah, we including us. So you know, easy to do those kind of things. All right, easy to conveniently bring up. Well, we don't know about Milan's financial situation. Okay, nobody knows. Okay, nobody knows. So. If you're going to write about it, you're going to write about it at the risk that six months from now you might be wrong. Okay? Um, it's just the way it is. So we're not going to speculate on that. Okay? As far as the rock bottom, sometimes when you do have a managerial change, things have to get a little worse before they get better. Is this rock bottom? It's the closest thing to it right now given the current state of Milan. All right? Um, but... I'm taking it as I'm taking the glasses half full approach in a way point against the team that is probably going to do that a couple more times. Okay. Uh, against some other teams. I, we're not done hearing from Benevento bothering some other people and inconveniencing some other people. I, I, I firmly believe that after what I watched today and after watching them against Atalanta, um, the second thing to this, uh, rock bottom, no rock bottom, was in 94 uh, when Milan played Padova and lost to Padova. You know who scored the winning goal for Padova? Who was that? 
Alexi Lalas. <laughs> so for a Lala scoring you would be rock bottom. That was my, as an American, I'm proud of him. As a Milan fan, I am sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. So there are enough professionals in that dressing room that are going to take a look around and say, what the hell are we doing? Okay. What the hell are we doing? And start taking things by the scruff of the neck. I would rather take a look at some of the positive things that happened in this game. Like I said, Kessie played well. Jack was the best player for both teams. Um, good to see Jack getting back to that level. All right. The striker needs to be sorted out. I'm not sold on Callian. It's just because he scored today. Andre Silva would have scored that too. And probably would have scored a couple more in the run of play. So that doesn't, that doesn't move the needle for me. Not, not, not in the slightest. So anyway, I, what do you think of Michael's question? Um, or anything, I, or anything I just said, because I'm trying to, I'm trying to put a positive spin on all this. <laughs> I'm going to give credit to Benevento for for fighting in there when everyone, especially when every time they went down a goal, you thought uh, they would fold, and they just kept coming at Milan. Uh, they got the draw. That uh, kudos to Brignoli for scoring that amazing goal. Oh, it was um, a great goal. It was a great goal too. Forget yeah. that it was a goalkeeper. It was a great goal. <laughs> yeah, as a diving header. I mean, this fantastic. Uh, what's not to like about it? And it's good. I feel I feel good for them. Um, you know, it sucks that Milan drew, but they did get a point, like you said. Um, but you know, I think all the everyone's gonna be focusing on Milan, and I think you should focus on Benevento getting their first point. You know, it's finally good because no one likes to see an, an, a goose egg for the season. Um, hopefully this will start a, a string of points and, and even wins this season because they have been close, like you said. Um, and, you know, they're not as bad. They are bad, but they're not as bad as they've been looking so far. One point and through, what, 15 games? Um, they're not that bad, but they are they are relegation team, though. <laughs> right, right. So, ho- so hopefully they get in a roll here. I mean, and congratulations, and congratulations to Benevento. Don't get me wrong. I think it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic. They, they have been close on multiple occasions. Uh, you can't deny that of them. Um, you know, I, they, they gave, I think, was it Inter they gave a run for their money as well? Uh, I yeah. know at the very beginning of the season they had a lead on Sampdoria. So it's not like, you know, we, we, I'm going to continue to say that they're out of their depth. But just because they're out of their depth doesn't mean they're not going to find ways to get points. So, you know, well done to them. And, uh, you know, for Milan, let's, okay, let's, let's pump the brakes on this hell, fire, and brimstone stuff. Okay. It's a point. It's an away point. Not the, not what we wanted, not what we expected. Sure. Okay. I understand that. But plenty of work to be done and plenty of time to still get this right. Not going to, the worst thing to do right now is to push the panic button. So, hey, hey Frank. Yeah. Enough of this uh, doom and gloom. Let's talk about some darlings in Syria. Yeah, let's get on to some games. And we had a uh, we had a cracker of one. We had a top six matchup uh, that took place on Sunday night. Uh, Sampdoria hosting Lazio at the uh, Stadio Luigi Ferraris. Um, it was uh, the blue the blue karate. You know, really, this is a fortress against the Lazio team that started to have a little bit of a stumble here in recent games. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, something had to give here, uh, and nothing gave in the first half. It was nil-nil at halftime, but the fun began in the second half. After about oh, about 11 minutes in, the home team struck first. Prepara defetto allaccio per Quagliarella, la sponda Zapata. Duvan Zapata, 11 minuti del secondo tempo. La Samp è in vantaggio. 
Duvan Zapata. Well, you know, Napoli could use him right now. Um, <laughs> never thought I'd say that at this point at this stage in the season, but there you go. Uh, he strikes first to give Sampdoria the lead, and, and they were hanging on here. Uh, Lazio makes a few changes, shifts a few things around, and then in the 79th minute, uh, they break through with the equalizer. Colpo di testa, la palla è lì. Milinkovic Savic, proprio lui, uno dei migliori della Lazio. La pareggia al minuto 35. È Sampdoria 1, Lazio 1, Sergei Milinkovic Savic. Sergei Milinkovic Savic with that goal, adding another 10 million to his price tag, um, <laughs> giving uh, Simone Inzaghi's men. Uh, a 1-1 draw, and it looked like we were heading to honors even until we got into stoppage time. Va dentro da Caicedo che la lascia immobile da terra. Poi Caicedo, 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 e avanti la Lazio. La rimonta si compie. And that is where Simone Inzaghi's genius pays off. The substitute, Felipe Caicedo, giving the away side Lazio. Uh, the 2-1 win, Roger, Richard, uh, just when we re- start to worry about Lazio, right? I thought you were going to call me Roger Nyangolan for a second. Uh, yeah, um, it was interesting that goal that happened too because uh, it looked like Saicedo, uh, he, he gave it up for Immobile because clearly Immobile is the better, best striker on that team maybe in the league. Um, so he let him take the shot, but the, the rebound came right to him. And so sometimes when you, you try to be nice to your teammates, you get you get that good bounce, so... Um, good for them. Good for him. Um, yeah, Lazio, uh, it's a great comeback, bounce back win for them. Um, to get a win at Sampdoria where they've been, um, they've been unbeatable. It's a, it's a fortress, like you said. They, they, they're giant killers this year, especially at home. And for Lazio to go down one nothing when most teams would crumble in that situation, uh, not only get one goal back, but to actually get the win, um, that's awesome for for Simone and Zaghi and Lazio. Um, it shows that they have a little bit of gumption in them, and that they're trying to get back into the uh, into the not only Europa League but also Champions League discussion, uh, trying to stay stay up with the big boys. Um, so good for them. I feel more down about Sampdoria because they've been a little bit of struggling here the last few weeks now. Yeah, Sampdoria is starting to. Um, oh, I don't know what. Uh, what the proper description is, but after losing three uh, nil at Bologna, ten man Bologna at that, uh, you know, it's as if uh, you know the wheels are starting to fall. It's it's as if they peaked um, with that win over Juventus, uh, and uh, it's it's you know they had the the, the win in the Derby della Lanterna, uh, and then they followed up with a win over Juventus, and now it's just kind of falling apart. They did beat Pescara in the Coppa Italia. Uh, but a chance for them to get that right here uh, at Cagliari here coming up this Saturday. Um, do you before, think? Do you think that, you think it's a bit that they sip their own juice after beating Juventus, thinking that hey, we are really good. We don't have to really think work as hard. You think that played a little bit into it, and it was just let down after that because they lost kind of focus. Well, that's easy to do. Um, you know, you uh, you beat one of the big boys. You start sticking your chest out a little bit, you, you, a little bit. You start feeling good about yourselves, and I mean that's a we've seen that happen plenty of times where that's a that's a good spot for you to get knocked off. So, um, you know, I think that uh, I think that there's some truth to that. I think that you know overall, Samp are still a very strong team and still very much uh, you know. Uh, in the discussion for top six and are really going to spoil the party for somebody. Uh, right now it's looking like Milan, um, you know, as far as those top six teams. But, um, 
but yeah, it's uh, yeah. Sometimes you, you read your own press clippings, you kind of get caught up in things, uh, and things don't go so well for you. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, how Jim Paula sorts this out. But we always talk about this. I mean, every team is going to get themselves into a rut at some point during the season, you know. And uh, maybe this is time. Maybe this is Sampdoria's bad spell. So yeah, and you see what teams are made of when they have their their dry spells. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. Uh, you know, Lazio, that win puts them on 32 in fifth place and just seven off the lead. Um, still a, th- still a thing as far as this is concerned. Which, th- what's that? As far as the, uh, still, uh, is someone that can make some noise for the Scudetto, can they still, uh, can they still, somebody, can, we, can we still consider them to be somebody that's in this race? Oh, I mean, yeah. Um, maybe not ultimately to win the Scudetto, but they're going to push, they're going to push the leaders, uh, for sure for the whole season, I think. Um, cause they kind of had already a setback and it looks like this is a good statement to make coming off, of, coming off your little dry spell. So, um, I think, uh, Lazio are definitely going to be in it, um, for the long run. I mean, Inzaghi, he's been, he, he did show last year that, um, he has what it takes to, to adjust, to adjust his team to keep them going in the right direction. Um, and I, I think they're going to be able to continue that this season and, and keep pushing, uh, not only, not only their city rivals, Roma, but, uh, the, the top three for sure. 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 I think that they're going to be, they're going to be in this. I mean, with the, uh, the, the approach that Simone and Zaghi takes, I do worry about, you know, a couple of these results though, the loss to the Roma in the Derby, the loss to Napoli, yeah. um, you know, if they really have the, have the fight to get there to the top. So. Uh, but this win over Sampdoria really, really big for their confidence, though. Uh, so, uh, so definitely there. But uh, you know, moving on, uh, you want to talk a little here about the team that has now moved to the top of the uh, Serie A table? Yeah. So with uh... now, wait a second. Hold on here. Now, I, I, I gave you this game. I don't want you to because this is like your closet team that they played against. So I don't want you to get all angry. When you go, we, remember we've got to be. We, we're supposed to be nonpartisan here, so uh, do the best you can here. I will do the best I can. <laughs> um, there was a hat trick in this game, and unfortunately, it wasn't Inglese or uh, or Pellissier. And for that matter, it wasn't Icardi. Um, with Napoli losing uh, to Juventus, it would mean there's a wide open chance for a new new team to take over number one. Um, Inter Milan would host Kievo in this one. Um, Kievo have been a team that, like we've said many times, they, they score a lot of goals and they give up even more. Um, they're never gonna, there's, there's gonna be rarely gonna be games with them where it's gonna be 0 0. Uh, this game certainly was not 0 0. Um, the game started off quick. Like I said, there was a hat trick in this game. Uh, the first goal of the game would go to the Croatian Ivan Perisic. La discesa di Santon, Santon in accelerazione, Santon la respinta, Sorrentino, ancora Sorrentino, ma c'è il gol dell'1-0, ha segnato Perisic. He would score in the 23rd minute to give Inter the 1-0 lead. Um, Inter have seemed to found a killer instinct a little bit under Spalletti this season, um, and why settle for one goal lead when you can have two? Sbaglia però completamente il passaggio inglese, poi ancora Icardi, Icardi con il destro, Icardi 2-0, il raddoppio dell'Inter, il sedicesimo gol in campionato di Mauro Icardi. Captain Mauro Icardi gets a goal um, 
he had a little bit of a breakaway had a guy on his hip on this goal. Um, I saw when he got that first pass, I thought he should have shot earlier. He hesitated, and I thought that was going to be the downfall for him. Um, but it, it somehow found its way past the goaltender. Um, it was a little bit of awkward play. I, Icardi didn't seem that fast on the play. Did you get, did you get a chance to see that goal? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. There was it was it was weird, you know. Yeah, he doesn't. For I mean, when you're watching him in games, you're like, oh, this guy's really fast, but. That play, maybe just a, the defender was even faster, but he didn't see, seemed kind of like slow to me. Almost seemed like Iguain out there. Uh, wasn't moving that fast, but I mean, he got the result, which you needed, which is a goal. Um, but Inter would take that and take a 2 nothing lead into halftime. But it's um, the sign of a, I mean, to, 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 not to cut you off, but it's the sign of a great goal scorer. Um, it is. Which is and, what Moro Icardi is growing to be. And what uh, is he now? He has a lead now on, on Immobile by one goal, right? Yep, he's on 16 through through 15 games. Tudor Immobile did not score against Sampdoria, so we're on the Moro Icardi uh, goal tracker, and uh, he is on pace for 41 goals, which would be the record. That would be the record by five goals set by uh, the standard, actually. So He would be the new standard. He would be the new standard. <laughs> standard of what? Because... <laughs> Standard, uh, I don't know. <laughs> still kind of a still kind of a dirt bag off the pitch, so it's going to be yeah, like. Exactly. I think we 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 want our standards to be squeaky clean and, uh, you know, uh, charitable and all this other stuff. And maybe he's charitable. Who knows? So, our inter friends could probably enlighten us on that. <laughs> so, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so, second half would start, um, and second half was much like the first half, except there's more goals in this one. Um, in the 57th minute, Ivan Perisic got his brace uh, to give Inter the three nothing lead. You know, sometimes it's nice to see. It's I mean, your forwards are supposed to be scoring goals, but sometimes it's nice when someone someone comes out of the blue like a defender and then gets a goal. Attenzione a Candreva dentro l'area c'è Icardi, il pallone per Skriniar. Il gol del 4-0, il gol di Milan Skriniar. Terzo gol in campionato per lui, Inter 4, Chievo 0. Milan Skriniar with a with a diving header, if you will, uh, scoring past the goalkeeper to make it four nothing for Inter Milan. Um, the defender there looking like a like a forward there with it with that goal, huh, Frank? You know that was pretty nice to see. Um, I gotta say, uh, it was. Um, uh, how do I describe this? It's. Um, it's 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 one of those where okay the the forwards are doing all the scoring and you get to a point in the game the defender just says ah my turn you guys are hogging all the goals you guys are hogging all the glory you know let me step in there but he's done this before um you know and he's got that capability uh Milan Skriniar and uh you know I mean this is this is the next complete package defender in Serie A the way it's the way it's the way he's evolving at this point He's having himself a heck of a season, and this is a, a like we said many times on the on, during the season. He's a great pickup for for um, Inter. He's definitely one of the top signings of the year uh, in all of Syria, uh, not just for Inter. So uh, good for him to get a goal like that. It shows that he has a, a repertoire of uh, abilities to score goals, if you will. He can score with his feet, and as you can see here, with his head, with his diving or off set pieces. So uh, he's becoming a dangerous man for for Inter and. Uh, um, yeah, it's only a good thing because he's a, he's a well-rounded defender for sure, for sure. Um, so that score would stay the same for uh, about the next 30 minutes or so. Um, uh, as we head into stoppage time, I said someone had to get a hat-trick, and that hat-trick would be scored. Joe Mario, 
Skriniar e poi il gol del 4-0 di Perisic, si porta a casa il pallone Perisic, 5-0 per l'Inter. Ivan Perisic would get his hat-trick, uh, Inter would go on to win 5-0. Frank, this was a complete domination of Inter, and Inter with that win, with the big win, take over first place uh, over Napoli by one point and two points ahead of uh, Juventus. Um Napoli or Napoli, Inter are undefeated at this point in the season. Um, are you surprised more by that or that the fact that they're in first place? Both, um, both. To be honest, I mean, yeah, I, I, this is the classic team that has a lot of talent and doesn't have the European distraction, so that they could put all of their chips in the Serie A uh, basket. Um, which you know we've we've seen that at work. We saw that work for Chelsea in the Premier League last year. Um, you know, Leicester City to a little bit of an effect, although that's turning into a little bit of a one-off kind of thing. But, you know, when you don't have to worry about playing as many fixtures as the rest of your title rivals, it's it's a little bit easier to focus on this particular competition. And I think that that's Absolutely. something Inter has going for them here. Um, but, uh, you, know, you know, top of the table and haven't lost a game, you would not think that with Inter, uh, considering how they've been running the last few years, and... You know, considering the makeup of Spalletti's Roma teams, uh, you know, yeah. so the, it's it's the combination of the two. Um, you know, With so zero losses though they haven't faced adversity yet. So we're, I'm really curious to see how they how they uh, how they adjust to that because, like I said, no losses yet in the season. Uh, eventually, they're going to get a loss, and eventually, they're probably going to get you know maybe go on a couple game losing streak. How do they react from that? That's the question with, between them and Spalletti. Because right now, they're doing a fantastic job, no no doubt about it. Uh, kudos to them. They're keeping uh, Napoli and Juventus sweating for sure. But uh, season's long, and everyone has a losing streak during the season. So I'm curious how they're going to respond. Well, we're going to learn what they're made of um, when they go to when they go to Juventus on Saturday. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you know, we're going to learn if this is legit or or, or, if, or if this is the game where they get hit in the mouth and then we figure out how they react. Now, the nice thing for them is that after that, you know, they've got uh, Pordenone in the uh, round of 16 of the Coppa Italia. You know, we'll see how Spalletti approaches that. But then it's Udinese at home, Sassuolo away, uh, where they can get right back on track before having to host Lazio uh, to end the first half of the season. So, you know, in some respects, it's okay. Uh, you've got... Um, you know, you've got Juve and you've got Lazio, but you've also got Udinese and Sassuolo in there. So there's a mix here that's going to help them, you know, sustain at least being in the top four position if they're not first uh, after, say, match week 19 when things restart uh, and they go to match week 20 here against uh, Fiorentina. Uh, but, I mean, Ivan Perisic was due to have just an explosive performance. It was good to see him get it here. Uh, you know, Mauro Icardi scoring goals again. I mean... You know, Spalletti doesn't have to do a whole lot different with this team. He doesn't have the fixtures that he has to shuffle the deck so much. Uh, he can keep some continuity, and that's going to be an in Inter's favor. And they could be – that's what could make them the third team in this discussion. Um, I still think this is down to Napoli and Juventus, and that could show itself over the course of this season. Uh, but Inter are slowly and more and more becoming the third part of this equation right now. Do you think a lot of people after this game, um, with with uh, Icardi taking the lead, sixteen to fifteen over Icar- over uh, Immobile, a lot of people are saying that Icardi is the best striker in the world. Now, do you th- do you think that's a fair fair way fair thing to say to him about him? 
he's in the best form. He's in the best you know, form, yeah. Of, of the of the players that uh, you would consider nines or strikers. He you might know, be the I'll, most complete, maybe. He's not the best striker, but he may be the most complete. I mean, Ronaldo probably is the most complete, but um, yeah, but can, Ronaldo's he, not not Ronaldo's not a nine. You know, yeah. he's more of a you know off the nine guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, Cardi can do everything though. He he can pass. He can he can run. Obviously, he can uh, he can obviously score because he's leading the league in goals. Um, there's not much this guy can do except for uh, keep keep calm off the pitch <laughs> yeah i mean that's just the thing he's that's just the thing with him really he's um he's just uh you know he's he's instinctive he scores he can score with both feet he can score with his head um you know so he's got all of those tools his his box positioning is outstanding um which comes in handy when you've got a crosser like Andreva on the team yeah um it's uh you know as 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 far as things are concerned with him yeah he, he's in the best form and he's certainly among the top 5 you know out and out strikers in the world um i uh, i i love lukaku's physicality even though he's in a rough patch right now at man united he's not scoring as much as he did at the beginning of the season you know if you're talking about if you're talking about the best nines in this game um I love Edinson Cavani at PSG right now in the form that he's in. But Icardi at least deserves to be in the conversation with players like that. Well, let's make it uh, easy. Let's, let's stay in Serie A. If you, had a, if you had to start a team with a number nine, antics aside, do you start with him? you start with Immobile and Dzeko? Who do you pick? Wow, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, that is a very good question because you gave me three guys there that, uh, that 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 all can do the business really. I, I I would be inclined, and I hate saying this as a Milan fan, but I I'd be inclined to pick Icardi just for his because he's more complete, I think, than the other two. Uh, the other two are great strikers, but Icardi does a little bit more. He can get on the wing. He can he can set up passes. Um, he's a little bit more creative than the other. So I would be a little bit slightly inclined to pick him over the other two or anyone else in that in Syria as far as strikers. Okay, I can see that. I'm going to give a ever so slight lean to Aiden Jekyll. Um, but my mind can change. <laughs> and my mind, one, go ahead. Sorry about my that. My mind can change. I I love what Jekyll offers aerially. Yeah. I think size, he's superior to I think he's superior to Icardi in that respect and his hold up play. He doesn't have to flare wide and cross. He is he is excellent at what he's asked to do, you know. And if you start with that, you can find guys to get him the ball because yeah. he he knows where he's going to be and be able to put it in the back of the net. So it's an excellent debate, um, you know, because you brought up three very good players and Immobile has proven to be a good passer too. He has a few assists yeah. on the court. Yeah, you know, he has a lot. He's actually a lot. I think he's he's up there. He's like six or seven assists this year. So exactly. And you know, if Belotti can find his form again, um, he could get back in that discussion as well. Um, but uh, but but right now, I mean, you're talking about these three being the the best nines, and then Gonzalo Higuain as well. Although I think Gonzalo yeah. Higuain at this stage and with the way Juventus is set up, he's really asked to finish. You know, he's not really asked to create or do any of this other stuff. So, um, I'll just slightly lean towards Jekyll. Okay. Uh, but boy, I, I barely. 
fairly over Icardi, like razor, razor, razor thin. And I'll, get, and I'll give you one last question for you, one other debate for you and for really all our listeners. Um, who does Inter being in this race benefit more? Does it benefit Napoli or does it benefit Juventus for Napoli, I mean, for Inter keeping up with the big boys? Well, I don't think it benefits either of them. I think it's a nuisance for both of them, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, because I think that they kind of got to be on their toes this, more often, for sure. Yeah, they, there's more that they have to watch out for, um, you know. And I think that he, both of them probably looked at this and said, you know, this is the, like the rest of us did. The Serie A is down to Napoli and Juventus this season. Um, I think it will frustrate when we. I can better answer that question after Saturday. Okay. Okay. Um, because Inter held Napoli to a nil-nil draw, so I think it frustrates. I think it will frustrate. For that reason, they'll frustrate Napoli. But let's see how they do against Juventus. You know, because if they lose to Juve, Juve's going to say, "Well, this is a convenience that you're up here." So, um, you know, but uh, but we'll see. Um, that's a great question. So, at City, I sit down on Twitter or Instagram, uh, answer those questions. What striker? Would you? We should actually just put a poll up on Twitter for both of those, uh, yeah. Richard. Uh, at the moment, what striker would you build your team around? You have your choice between Moro Icardi, Aiden Jekyll, or Chiro Immobile. And then also, uh, uh, who does um, Inter's presence at the top of the table uh, from a competitive standpoint? Who does that benefit? Does it benefit Napoli? Does it benefit Juve? Does it benefit either? Uh, does it benefit neither? Uh, so we'll get those polls up and, uh, you know, certainly, uh, certainly go ahead and answer those questions. So, um, let's get on to, uh, those were the four games that we really wanted to spotlight. Let's move on now and talk about, uh, the rest of the Serie A slate. Richard, did we really go over an hour on this podcast without talking about Roma? We did, surprisingly. Incredible. They're one, the, they're one of the best teams this year in Serie A, and we haven't talked to them yet. Probably because they played Spal, uh, and they played them on Friday, so it's like it feels that like it's like a it. distant memory. And we talk about Spal as a pesky little bunch, but uh, hard to be pesky when you're on 10 men, and when you're on 10 men so early, and nine minutes in, there was a red card. Uh, Felipe shown the door uh, for a foul, and uh, Roma would promptly take advantage uh, Aiden Checo scoring in the 19th minute. Uh, Kevin Strootman in the 32nd minute. It would be 2-0 at halftime. Lorenzo Pellegrini showing up on the score sheet to give Roma a 3-0 lead. Fear not, Italian fans. We've got good young players. Lorenzo Pellegrini is one of them. Uh, and then Spal get a consolation. Uh, Federico Viviani, it was a, uh, it was a rebounded uh, effort off of a missed penalty uh, in the 55th minute. Uh, but Roma go ahead and get the three points. All, all this Inter-Napoli-Juve talk, uh, what about Roma? Roma are very much in discussion. Uh, the work that uh, Eusebio, Di, Eusebio Di Francesco has done this season uh, can be can be understated. Uh, what he's done in the Champions League uh, and what he's doing in Serie A with everyone thought, oh, I, at least I'll, I'll, I'll put a fork in my own mouth, I thought Roma was going to have a setback this season with uh, with him because I thought it was a step, step too high for him. And he's shown me wrong. Um, he's shown a lot of critics wrong as well. Uh, they are slightly behind the, the leaders right now, but only slight, and they have a game game in hand. So I mean, they could catch up real quick. Um, with the loss of uh, Mohamed Salah, many wondered how Jekyll would, would would score this year. Um, and it, and 
De Francesco showed that he found a way with with who he has, and he's got players to play better. Um, Nangalan is still there, despite De Rossi's antics. Um, the team is still getting results, and um, I'm curious to see how they will do now. You know, if they do progress further in, like, say, Champions League and Coppa Italia, how does how does De Francesco handle the lineup in that? I'm curious to see that, but. Um, right now, Roma are definitely, I would say, contenders for the Scudetto. Um, they may be slightly off, but they're still there. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them off just yet. They have that game in hand, uh, which would be a game at Sampdoria uh, that's got to get made up. Uh, so it'll be a difficult, difficult one. But Lazio just won there, so there's, uh, there might be a little bit of a crack in that, uh, in that fortress over there at the uh, Luigi Ferrari that Roma can take advantage of. So. Uh, maybe earlier in the season we couldn't say that, but but certainly uh, certainly an opportunity there. Uh, but I'm with you. I think they 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 belong in this discussion for now. We'll see what happens. We'll see as the uh, fixtures start to come thick and heavy how uh, uh, how Mr. Di Francesco manages it. So um, moving on, and then there was a game on one game on Saturday. It was Torino playing host to Atalanta. Uh, Torino, uh, in a brilliant gesture, uh, donning the green kits in honor of uh, one year uh, from the tragedy with Chapecoense in Brazil. Um, if there is a club in Serie A that should honor Chapecoense, certainly it should be Torino, as they had, uh, obviously, an air, airplane tragedy of their own uh, deep in their history. Um, so it uh, was awesome to see them do that uh, great gesture on the part of the Granata, um, and uh, they were uh, in. Uh, they were not the Granata uh, for this game. They were the Verde uh, for this game. So, um, pretty much a stalemate. I saw a little bit of this game. Actually, I saw. I watched this game, and uh, uh, Torino certainly were creating some chances and actually looked like the better team. And their uh, their persistence paid off in the 45th minute through Nicholas and Kolu. Uh, that would be the score going into halftime. Uh, but Atalanta would have an answer just nine minutes later. Josip Ilicic scoring to get the equalizer. Um, 1-1 between Torino and Atalanta. And, uh, you know, Richard Torino really uh, flying under the radar uh, with some decent... I mean, they've got they've got four straight draws here. Um, but uh, ever since that loss, at, ever since getting blown out at Fiorentina, they beat Cagliari and then it's four straight draws. Inter... Away, Kievo, uh, Milan away, and then uh, Atalanta here at home. This is, and, and they're doing it with some pretty decent defending. Uh, they've uh, they've flown under the radar here, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, uh, everyone. Oh, I I thought they were going to start folding at this point of the season, and they're they're actually stringing in some decent results. I mean, there's at least two good draws in there that uh, people didn't expect to get uh, against Inter and against Atalanta. Mm-hmm. Um, they have enough t- another tough battle. Oh, Another three for the next three weeks. Really, they have some big games coming up. So I'm curious to see if that that def, the stout defending will continue. Um, if they can get some decent results against those the next three squads, which is Lazio, Napoli, and then Roma and the Coppa Italia, um, they could really change. Their, they could make or break their season right there. If they get some good results, um, they may go on a little run here. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully, hopefully, defending at least keeps up with them because uh, that's been the thing that's been plaguing them in the end before. Um, I think if they can get that situated, I think the goal scoring will come back around because they do have Belotti, they have Iago Falke, uh, they do definitely have the talent to score. So short up defensively and see what happens. Exactly. Um, and Atalanta, they're looking like uh, 
really they they care far more about the Europa League than they do about City at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, but yeah. in a way point here against Torino, um, you know they've they've got uh, Genoa after after playing Lyon on Thursday. They'll have Genoa away uh, next Monday. Uh, then Lazio at home, um, and then the uh, Coppa Italia against Sassuolo. So uh, some they're in a little bit of a get-right spot here. The Lazio game is going to be very challenging for them. But uh, certainly Gasparini's men look like they're uh, they're focused on Europa League at this point, aren't they? Uh, it, it would be safe to say, as we, we joked about how Napoli should be focusing on uh, on the Scudetto, it seems Atalanta have thrown away Serie A and they're just trying to focus on Europa League and they're getting really good results over there. So it, it, that's uh, even more evidence that they're, they're trying to put all their eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So uh, we'll see if Atalanta can, ha- can, can start to make a little bit of a move up the table. They're on 20 points uh, sitting in 10th. Things are very, very snug. Uh, at the moment, between 7th through 11th, uh, where Torino actually sits in 11th on 20 points. Um, you know, looking at that table. Uh, and Chievo, in fact, in 12th on 20 points. So 7th through 12th, uh, a point uh, apart, uh, you know, uh, for all of those teams. So a lot can happen, uh, you know, as that's, as that's going on. Uh, Bologna and Cagliari took place on Sunday afternoon on the peninsula um, at the Renato de Lara in Bologna. Uh, it was Cagliari scoring first through Joao Pedro. What a season he's having uh, in the 42nd minute. Uh, that gave the Sardinians a lead. But nine minutes from time, it was Mattia Destro in the 81st minute to rescue a point uh, for Roberto Donadoni's men. Uh, Richard, Bologna, hanging tough, sitting there in ninth. But is that some of it because the teams around them are, are struggling for points too? Uh, yes and yes. Um, it is because the teams around them are struggling, but also Bologna, they're, they're hanging tough. They're finding ways to get results. Um, they started out the season hot, but many thought they would falter and, and start to regress down the table, but they're, they're holding tight. Um, they have a decent team. Donadoni's done a fantastic job with these guys. And, you know, having Destro, Destro get, get on the score sheet, uh, he, he's vital to them to, to continue going at the pace that they're going. Um, they need a goal scorer and he's having a really good season this year. So, um, mm-hmm. I think I think Donadoni is just doing a really good job right now, and um, it does help that the teams around them are faltering. But Bologna are doing good things too. So it's not just the teams around them; it's it's them. They're they're there for a reason. It's because the results they're getting. Um, so you got to give some of the, give credit to some of what they're doing too. Yeah, definitely agree with that. And uh, uh, you know, same thing with Cagliari, just uh, finding a way to get points to just kind of keep themselves distance distance from that bottom three, and right now six points clear of that, uh, sitting in 13th on 16 points. Uh, so not a whole lot to talk about as far as this game's concerned. Uh, so let's move on, and then uh, we will uh, wrap up this uh, roundup with uh, Fiorentina playing host to uh, Sassuolo. Uh, previous guest, Chloe Beresford, she was at the game. Uh, yes, she was. Yes, yeah. she was. We did uh, tweeted a selfie uh, in her uh, all all bundled up. It was uh, sunny. It was sunny in Florence, but it was cold. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just like it is here uh, where I live, sunny but it's cold. Uh, but anyway, uh, Fiorentina against Sassuolo. In was this uh, Yakini's first game? Uh, I believe it was. Okay. Well, he's already in uh, you know mid tenure form. Uh, with with any team that he manages, he takes a three nil spanking at the hands of Laviola. It was uh, Giovanni Simeone scoring in the thirty second minute. 
Jordan Veratu in the 42nd, and then the uh, Golden Boy. Hang in there, Italian fans. We've got good young players coming up. Federico Chiesa in the 71st minute. So, um, Fiorentina doing what they should do, and, and Sassuolo, maybe they really are this bad. What do you think? It's it's starting to seem like they are this bad. I mean, I mean, we you see it on the paper. They have talent on the on paper, but that doesn't always that doesn't always pan out. You got to prove it on the pitch. Um, yeah. That's why Benevento had made, you know, got promoted as opposed to teams who were better than them in Serie B because they, they were able to get the results they needed. Um, that was in Serie B last season, not this season. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, they seem really bad. They just can't, I, at this point, it must be all mental because, like I said, on paper, they have, they have talented players, but they, for whatever reason, they're not getting gelling together. And it, all that is a recipe for, for failure. Um, and the results are evident of that. I mean, yeah, I don't know what to say with, with Sassuolo. It just, it's utter disappointment with them. Mm-hmm. Certainly, uh, certainly agree with that. They are the, they, they are officially the most underachieved. I mean, I get it with Milan, but I, I, I will, and, and sometimes some of this is me seeing the world in red and black glasses, but I find Sassuolo to be the most underachieving team in Serie A, um, at this point. But this is what, Fiorentina needs to do to advance their project, get three points uh, against the opponent that they should get three points again, and they did it in style with a 3-0 win. So uh, well played to La Viola. So uh, Monday will conclude match week 15, and there's actually two games on Monday, um, and they are some uh, relegation dogfights. So we get to uh, uh, put a little attention here to the bottom half of the table, Richard. Uh, Crotone. Uh, and Udinese, Crotoni hosting Udinese. Udinese have, uh, have only played 13 games, so they'll have a game in hand after this is all said and done. Uh, both of these teams on 12 points, Udinese in 14th, Crotoni on 15th. This is at Crotoni. Uh, your thoughts uh, on this game? Uh, initially, I would I would favor Udinese despite being on the road, but Crotone have shown that they have a little more fight in them this year than they did last year. I guess it, oh, last year they must have learned from their from their nice run at the end of the season how to win and how to get them results. Um, and so they're starting to show that this season by having you know wait they probably would have ten more points than they did last year at this point. Um, so they're finding ways to get points, and it'll be tough. Uh, they're, they're definitely shown all season long that they've been tough, especially at home. Uh, but I don't know. I just I I think um, Udinese will find a way to win. Uh, they got some really really talented youngsters on that team, and I, and I think one of them is going to have to. Uh, I think they're all going to step up, but I think one of them will actually get the game winner. Um, it'll be definitely a f- more fun game to watch than you would think. Normally, normally you see Crotone versus Udinese, and you're thinking, Nah, I'm good. I, I'd watch that game. Good point. I like your I like your point about it in AZ, uh, especially with Massimo Odo now in charge. Certainly going to implement a style that will make use of those talents. And I and as such, Udinese should have a little more possession than Crotone in this game. And I think that's just how Davide Nicola is going to set Crotone up here. Um, they're going to defend. They're going to just try to be organized, not give Udinese a whole lot of easy stuff. Uh, I think this ends in a draw. Um, I think it's a one-one, and I think both teams will be more than happy with that. So uh, you got a score for it. Ooh, I'm going to say 2-1 for Udinese. Oh, you're going against your team. <laughs> I am, I am. <laughs> Sonia will be happy to hear that. 
So, <laughs> oh my. So, uh, and then finally the uh, the night game on Monday, if you will. Hellas Verona playing host to Genoa. This is a real relegation dogfight. Verona on nine points, uh, sitting in nineteenth, starting to play just a wee bit better against the Genoa side since. Uh, uh, Davide Balladini, uh, they're in 17th on 10 points, and Davide Balladini has taken over there. Uh, two games played with a win and a draw. So uh, I think Genoa are going to win this game um, at Verona. I, I think that the effect that Balladini is starting to have on this team is real. I think Juric was getting Genoa there without the results, and now I think that Balladini is finding ways to win, and I think they're going to get three points here. And they will, um, if I think Udinese and Crotone are going to tie, then all three of those teams will be on 13 points when it's said and done. And it's going to spell big, big, pro- big, big problems for Hellas Verona. Uh, I will go with Genoa to win this game by a goal to nil. Goal to nil. Goal to nil. That's, uh, that's a good score. Good score line for uh, Genoa if that, if that were to come true. Um, yeah, Verona has been another, at least a disappointment for you and I, because I know we both picked Hellas to, uh, to stay up this year possibly. And they're looking like that's not the case at all. Um, Hellas being a home, Hellas is a hard place to play for sure. Their fans are rabid. They're wild. Um, they definitely help the home team in, in that respect. But, you know, like you were saying with Ballardini, you know, he's given something to Genoa, a hope that, uh, and a fight that they didn't have all season. They were starting to get under Yurch, like you said, and, uh, I think they're realizing now that they don't want to be in this relegation battle because it's not the place for them and they shouldn't be there with the, with the players they have, especially not the, uh, a great goalkeeper like they do in Mat- Mattia Perrin. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go also with a Genoa win. I'm going to say 2-1 for the for the visitors. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so we're both on board with Genoa winning. Uh, you like Udinese to win. I think that game ends in a draw. So we shall find out. Uh, go to at Serie Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Give us your thoughts on what you saw in Match Week 15. Let's wrap this up with a European preview. All right. Champions League, Match Day 6. That all comes down to this here, Richard. Um, big, big games for the three Serie A teams involved. Uh, two teams are in a win and in situation. One team is in a win and get help situation. Uh, let's start with the two teams that are win and in. First, uh, Roma uh, in Group C uh, taking on Karabag. Um, a win and they go through a draw and a win and they go through at, at or at worst – just need to match what they need to match Atletico's results. Um, your thoughts on the game coming up here against Carabao? I think they're going to win. I think this is going to be a three nil. I think this is going to be a three nil win to Roma. It's going to be relatively easy. I think Carabao has shown some fight, but you know, away here, I think this is going to be a bridge too far for them. And I think uh, Di Francesco's on a mission here, trying to get this team to the uh, to the round of sixteen. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, Carabag are certainly difficult at home, or well, at least they showed that against Atletico, Atletico Madrid. Um, but I don't think uh, Roma are going to have that much trouble with them. I'm going to go with two nothing for Roma. Um, like I said, the best case scenario, they need a win. I mean, just get it over with. Don't even, don't even flirt with with the other with the other score. Just get a win and get in. And this is a team that you can do it against in Carabag. So uh, I got Roma two nothing. All right. Now, interestingly enough, if they win uh, and Chelsea fail to win, Roma will win the group. 
So, because oh. uh, I think if uh, they win, if Roma win and Chelsea draw, Roma have them on head to head aggregate, and I think that's the first tiebreaker. So, mm. interesting to note. Uh, so, Chelsea are certainly going to be pushing for the win here against Atletico as well. So, um, and uh, moving into Group D, you have Juventus uh, traveling to Olympiacos. Sporting Lisbon have to travel to Barcelona. Juventus are a point ahead of Sporting. They can't count on Sporting going there and losing. Uh, they're going to have to play to win. I think they will win. Uh, I think this will be resourceful, Juve. I don't think they're going to win in a route, even though Olympiacos has really failed to impress in this competition. Uh, I'm going to go with Juve to win 2-0. It's going to be one of those, just get a couple goals and uh, see the game out, uh, You know, typical of what you see from uh, Allegri's teams in these situations. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, with Allegri showed against Napoli is that when they have to play good defensively, they can. Um, and Napoli is a better opponent than Olympiacos. Um, Olympiacos is a home. Sure, that's good for them, but they've given up 11 goals so far in, in the five games they play in Champions League. Um, that doesn't bode well for them. I, I think also, like you were saying, it's going to be resourceful Juve. Um, they're going to win one or two nothing, I think. It's not going to be any more than that. And I don't think they're going to give up any goals. Um, they should be able to win that and, and move on. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, totally agree with that. So we both are on board with Roma winning and with Juventus winning. So we get to the, uh, the critical game. If we're trying to see all three Serie A teams get through, it is Napoli traveling to Holland to take on Feyenoord. Um, they must win. And Manchester City must win at Shakhtar Donetsk. Problem here is Manchester City already have the group one, and there's no real incentive for them to go to the Ukraine and have to win that game. Um, I think Napoli will win against Feyenoord, although I think it's going to be a little bit sticky because we don't know about the health of Insigne at this point and if he's going to be fit for that game. Uh, my gut tells me that he doesn't play. Uh, but, uh, I, my, my gut has already been wrong because I didn't think Benevento was going to get a point off Milan either. So, um, Richard, how do you see this going down? I mean, do we just resign ourselves to the fact that Napoli are facing Europa League football? Um, I mean, you, you could, I mean, it's, it's, that's what we've been saying for the whole time. Um, I, I though think, and this only happened in maybe the last couple of days. I've come, I started thinking about this. Um, I think Napoli are going to win against uh, Feyenoord. I think it'll be closer than than they should win. Uh, I think it'll be like a one goal victory or something like that. Something yeah, I'll like say that. I'll say two one to Napoli. Yeah, it'll be something like that. Um, I think though Pep Guardiola's ego is too big that he will not. He'll want to win this group. You know without any losses. He wants to show that his team is for real and they're contenders this year. He wants to keep up with PSG who are dominating their group. Um, he wants to show that his team is a contender and wants to scare everybody else who would possibly face them. So I think he'll try to make a statement. He won't have his best team. He'll have his, you know, B team, but his B team is better than most teams, uh, a team. So, um, I think they're not going to have all starters in there, but they're going to do enough that they're going to win that game and, It'll come down to results, I guess, at that point, right? If if Manchester City win and Napoli win, isn't there a tie there between Shakhtar and Napoli, possibly, right? Yeah, uh, and and Napoli would own the head-to-head over Shakhtar. So, uh, so we need a City win in the Ukraine. 
I, I, I highly doubt. Well, Aguero, and I, and I saw the city game today. I doubt Aguero goes on that trip. Uh, he played all 90 today. Um, and I watched and, and I followed it out of curiosity because I wanted to see what Pep was doing with that team versus, you know, what he's going to send to Ukraine. I, Gabriel Jesus may be going, uh, cause I don't think he got on the pitch in this game here against, uh, West Ham. Uh, so that's, that's a pot. That's helpful. Uh, Bernardo Silva could play. So I think that he'll still put enough people out there that could do some damage. Um, so I'm, you know, what so I'm basically sort of, saying is I'm saying Napoli somehow miraculously move on. And I'll, I'll consign them to the Europa League, but I'll be happy to be wrong. Let's just leave it at that. So right. uh, Europa League, all three Italian teams are through to the next stage. AC Milan will travel to, uh, to Rijeka. Um, Atalanta will host Lyon. And uh, Lazio travel to Zultavaragem in Belgium. Uh, any thoughts on these games? It's just kind of like I think the uh, in just about all cases the kids will play uh, or the reserves will play. Except I wish I Gattuso would put out his put out his best team just for just for establishing some continuity. But yeah. Uh, but what do you think of those three games? Any interest in watching any of them or? No, I mean not really. I mean I probably would. Well, I probably will watch them, but I have really no interest. Uh, the only thing I mean, the only thing I want and hope is that no one gets injured in any of these three games, because um, you'd hate that to see affect their Serie A performance. So, hopefully, all three teams do well and no one gets injured. That's what I'm hoping for. Good, good. Uh, I, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll join you in that sentiment. Uh, you know, just uh, get through the ninety minutes, get everybody out of there healthy, move on, uh, get ready for finding out who you're going to play in the round of 32 in February. That's, uh, that's really the way to look at it. So, um, so that's it for the European roundup. What are you looking forward to? Go to at city. I sit down on Twitter or Instagram before we put a bow on this thing, Richard, let's uh, go into that game real quick on Saturday. Juventus and inter. Who you got? Ooh, it's uh who's a Juventus at home, right? Yeah. Juventus is at home. Ooh, man. Ah, uh-huh. let's see. Um, I am going to say it's obviously I think it's gonna be tight. Definitely. Okay. Uh I'm gonna go with Ooh man. Uh one one. One one, huh? I'm gonna say Juventus win this and they're gonna win it by a goal to nil. Uh and uh resourceful Juve will turn up yet again. Hmm. So hmm. uh that would be something. Yep. Back to back wins against the two best teams up to that point in Syria, which be would be something. Yep. Yep. Yep, certainly agree there. So uh, so that's my thought on uh, what will go down in that game. Uh, Juventus and Inter on Saturday. Certainly looking forward to that one. It will be, it, it will be everything that we hope it will be. Uh, you know, Inter can they are, are are they legit? You know, we just asked that of Napoli. Now we're going to ask it of Inter. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, now uh, you know a chance for Juve to knock them off. I, the fact that it's at the J, I think they're coming away with three points. So. Now we'll put a bow on this edition of Serie A. Sit down time for a uh, social media check and a shameless plug. Uh, Richard, what do you got going on? Uh, not much really. Uh, just trying to actually recuperate because I broke my finger uh, over the recently last couple of days and it had nothing to do with Milan Benevento. I guarantee you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could have used that as, an, as a reason, but I was going to be recovering that and... Uh, I'm going to be holding off on any kind of typing because uh, I'm kind of limited with one hand. So, mm-hmm. And uh, y- y- your uh, Twitter handle? Oh, gosh. What is it these days? Uh, oh, it's at R underscore Carmen, K-H-A-R-M-A-N. 
Awesome. You can find me at FTC underscore 21, uh, the Calcio Consultant. You can find that on worldfootballindex.com. Not sure if I will have a new installment this week or not. Um, just trying to keep up with all this uh, Serie A, now Champions League and Europa League and all this other fun stuff. So might uh, might take a break from that this week and then uh, come back with a uh, new column next week. So certainly we will uh, get into that. Uh, but uh, do want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to us. Uh, as always, uh, thank you for letting us have a rant about uh, some things about Syria and have a chance to also praise uh, the good that's in Syria. Uh, and as always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.